I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. So we're going to be focusing today on the England years. 1970 was a pivotal year for Alan Hudson. You'd, the 69-70 season, you'd, you'd just broken into the team. Chelsea had got to the FA Cup final, always looking great. And then on Easter Monday, you had an injury at the Hawthorns that put paid to your Wembley appearance and also prevented you from being the first teenager to represent England at the World Cup finals. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, at that time... Um... It never entered my mind, of course. Mm. You don't think about things like that. But uh, it, I think there was so much going on at that it, in such a short space of time at, at, at that time. I'd only been in the Chelsea team for six months, say. Um, and I was just finding my feet in that team. And the closer we got to Wembley for the FA Cup, uh, little did I know, you know, it wasn't until we played QPR... Uh, in the sixth round, I think, and we we beat them, and Venables played, and Marsh played, and uh, they had a half a decent team. It was a big local derby, and uh, we knocked them out. And that was when Alf Ramsey came out with a Osgood scored a hat trick, which really clinched his place in in the in the Mexico uh, squad. And then Alf came out with that saying that there's, there's no limit to what I could achieve, and you know, that gave me, I think that put me in the firing line for Mexico and myself. Because you were in that original 40, you would have gone. And many years later, one of your journalist friends said that when Bobby Charlton did come off in that game, it would have been you, not Colin Bell, that replaced him because you were really primed because Bobby was getting a little bit older and it was you that was primed to take over from Bobby Charlton in that England shirt, wasn't it? Well, I, I think... Um... Alf would have looked at it in a way that it was I was young, fit. Had I not had obviously not had the injury at West Brom, I'd I'd, I'd have still been very fit. I was getting stronger. I was the, the 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 longer the more games I played, the better I was playing. Um, and I think he probably see me as having the young legs and the, and uh, having the. Uh, being clever enough to to play in that role and just say to me, you know, you make sure, you know, I couldn't do what Bobby Charlton could do as as guys going forwards and shooting and things like that, but he wouldn't have wanted me to do that. It would just have been a matter of going and sitting in there with Alan Ball and trying to keep the ball 2-0 up and stopping Beckenbauer from doing what he actually did in the end, and that was to crucify us. Yeah, again, many people says that they took off Bobby to rest him for the semi-finals. But when you look at it and you, you hear and you read press cuttings, it wasn't that Bobby was tiring and 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 Alf just wanted to freshen it up, didn't he? Well, he did. I, I think I think that is a question that would mm. never be answered. Yeah. Um, only Alf would ever 
you know, he took that to his grave with him, whatever he was thinking. Uh, I, I think it was bad management um, myself because if you're two 0 up in any game and you're and you're controlling the game, which we were, I think we we were actually playing better in '70 than what we did in '66. We um, and we proved that against Brazil as well in the you know in that match. Um, but we 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 were controlling the Germans. We had everything under control. And there's one thing you don't do is when you're controlling the game, is change things. Yeah. Uh, and that wouldn't that would have meant even if I would have been on the line, he brought me on. It it would have been a wrong decision. I'd have just kept Bobby on there because even that it, it kind of even the Germans admitted that they couldn't believe that, that he brought Charlton off because as as they said in the 66 final, they, Bobby and Beckenbauer cancelled themselves out of the game and, and they did the same in 70. And it was just so happens that we, you know, we we mastered them really. We, it was the best we have, we have played in them two World Cups, I think, uh, apart from the Brazil game, which I think we were outstanding. I think it was probably Bobby Moore's greatest game ever. But... No, I, I think I think Alf, Alf made a, a massive mistake changing the team at that stage. And again, what confidence it does give the Germans when, when you do see your opposition's best player going off. It almost gives them a little bit of an, an adrenaline boost, doesn't it? And I hear what you're saying. It's almost like when you're picking your team, if your best players aren't playing, then your opposition looks around and thinks, happy days here, we've got half a chance. Whereas if your big players are on the pitch, it, it's psychologically game on, isn't it? Well, yeah, I think if you look at if if you, if you look at boot on the other foot, um, the Germans were two 0 up, and they took Beckenbauer off, and uh, and say Muller or Seeler off, uh, we'd have felt more comfortable defensively, and we'd have we'd have thought we can go on, and and and, and we got half a chance here. Whereas if they just keep them on the field, I remember I remember years and years. ago, uh, well, not that too long after. I played in a game at Chelsea and uh, we played at Stoke in the League Cup. Um, it was a Wednesday night and Osgood had a fight, you know, a, a big bust up with Sexton in the dressing room at half-time and he pulled him off. And uh, Stoke were 1-0 up at the time and we come out at half-time and you could see Stoke looking round at each other wondering where Osgood was and they knew that, you know... They have one less problem, and Ozzy was our, you know, he was our main man. He was our, he was our goal machine, and by Sexton pulling him off, he, you know, he gave Stoke, as you just said, so much more yeah. confidence to go on and win the game. Now, your your international career consisted of of two games, unbelievably two games. We're going to get on to that. But your under twenty three career, that was uh, you played nine games, didn't you, for the under twenty threes? Talk me through your I'm, first uh, game. I, I have no idea. <laughs> I haven't got a clue. I know. I, I know my first game got. Yeah. Uh, my first game was uh, at my other worst ground, which was Roker Park. Yeah. It was the only where that was the only time I ever got sent off in one of my last games for Stoke. But. Um, uh, yeah, that got post. That got postponed. That got abandoned through snow. Uh, I don't know with how long to go, but uh, it wasn't a much of a game because of the snow itself. It's part of the game. Uh, I remember that being my first game, 
Uh, I remember a game at Hamden Park, which was with, with about 20, 20 odd thousand, and it sounded like there was about 200,000 in there. It was amazing. Uh, I, I didn't really play that well. Um, and I remember a couple of games against Wales. One when I came back from a, a bad injury and 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 had a, a, a outstanding game down in Wrexham. And uh, that was a game when Alf said to me uh, after the match, "I think you better preserve yourself. You know, you're doing a little bit too much hard work," which I found a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't believe his words. Actually, yeah. you know, I can understand him saying about players not working hard enough but I don't think a player can work too hard uh, but I was just uh, I used that match as uh, a kind of a comeback and uh, as a fitness test for me really and uh, and, I, and I had a really good game on on a really heavy pitch which uh, I used to like playing on heavy pitches uh, because of my, my bad ankle Now your three year ban that was towards the end of was it the seventy one seventy two season? You were you were still at Chelsea, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it it must have been before the nineteen seventy two game against Northern Ireland. So can you throw a little bit more light on that? Because Bobby Moore had told you that that you were going to make your international your full international debut for England against Northern Ireland a game that your um, your old adversary Terry Neal scored the uh, the winning well, that goal was that, that, yeah that, that was my first that was my yeah. I think that, that was my first full international squad yeah uh, and um, and Bobby just took me under his wing and uh, Bobby I don't know what it, what it was. Uh, He's, I think he might have seen a little bit of uh, George in me, uh, and I don't know. He, he just took a liking to me, and he, as a kid, and he took me under his wing, and and he came up to me before training. He just put his arm around me, and we was walking across, and you know I felt quite privileged. And and all of a sudden he said, "Well done." He said, "You're playing tonight," and uh, and what Bobby himself wasn't playing, funny enough, and. And he said, congratulations, thank you. Just go and, you know, and he gave me a bit of advice about, you know, how to play, you know, just how, just play as you do at your club level, blah, blah, blah. And uh, and then all of a sudden, we had a little bit of a warm-up and then Alf called us in and then he read the team out and my name wasn't mentioned. And I looked at Bobby and he looked at me and he was so embarrassed. And he, he apologised to me after and I, I, I said, Bobby, don't please don't apologise to me. I said, you trying to help me and he, he 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 must have changed his mind as he was looking around at the squad I don't know right I don't know what happened but why tell Bobby in the first place I, I was yeah. going to play I don't know it's, it's another one of our mysteries you know did your band come after that episode out or before yes. it yeah it did yes. okay so yeah. that there was all these little things that that were leading up to and obviously as you had alluded to earlier, the heavier pitches suited you because of that injury that you picked up at the Hawthorns and an injury yes. dogged your career. And I mean, even so, many years later, in 1975, uh, Tony Waddington got the fire brigade out so you could play again on an Easter Monday because you needed those heavy pitches. That's where you thrived. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I had a chronic. Uh... People don't really know them. Not, not even the doctors knew at that time. And I was going outside the club and seeing 
I went to see so many different doctors and uh, faith healers and this, that and the other, trying to find out, you know, uh, I even went to see a fella called um, uh, Tucker, uh, and he was he he used to look after all the big boxers and I, through the fella called Tony Mancini, who was a, a boxing family. He he put my father onto him and we went to see him. And fun, and strangely enough, I went to Bermuda some years later and uh, he was a part of. There's a place in Bermuda called Tucker Town and he was one of that family. Uh, um, but he was—he was a top man in his field, and not—not—not uh, not, not even he could do anything with this uh, injury of mine. Uh, but, I, mean, I, 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 I could—I could write an old—we could do an old program on yeah. the people I see, and uh, how many different kind of um, treatments I had on it. But it, it was never going to get better. Um, and therefore, I, I, it, it made it near impossible for me to to play on hard grounds or or anything like that. I, I just just needed the rain, uh, and I just and the greatest thing that ever happened was probably my two most famous games were on the heaviest pitches. One was when it rained for two days before the West Germany game, and and the other is when, as you say, Tony got the fire brigade out. Before the Liverpool game, when it, which was a, a big match over Easter, it was a third of third of three uh, matches over them four days we used to play in. Friday we played Friday and uh, Saturday in London, West Ham and Arsenal, and then we went back to play the, uh, Liverpool, the European champions at that time. And I, I was absolutely gutted. I said to the Tony, I said, Governor, I said. Uh, I think I'll be missing Monday, you know, at the top of the table clash as well. And, and he just said to me, no, you won't. He said, you won't. He said, because I've heard the weather forecast. He said, he said I've heard it's going to rain. And he made it all up, uh, knowing in his mind that he would get the fire brigade in, which was a master, another master stroke by him. But again, that's what it's all about. Man- managing the person, managing the player, and managing the injury. And that's something that Ramsey didn't do because he phoned you up at Stamford Bridge and he pretty much ordered you to, to go to that um, under-23 tournament whilst you were nursing an injury. And because you didn't, he then banned you and Colin Todd. Um, Malcolm yeah. McDonald come with the old back injury and he got away with it but you know he got, Malcolm, Malcolm was the smartest one of the three of us yeah. because, because he knew they couldn't detect the back in, back injury uh, but that's what happens when you're honest you see if you're honest you get no you get nowhere in the game and all, all yeah. I done was being completely honest with him but it was just the way he done it um, I think it, football's no different from any other walk of life Um I was just told to be at Stanford Bridge one day about two o'clock to expect a call from Ramsey. He was calling me from about a mile away uh, when he could have he could yeah. have asked to meet me somewhere and sat down had a cup of tea with me or a cup of coffee or something or even a glass of wine and said, "What's your problem?" Yep. And we could have talked it through. I mean, that's what Waddington would have done. He would have said. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry only on bluenile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. He would have called me in his office, or he'd have took me out to lunch and said, what's, you know, what, what's the problem if all my form was out he would have asked, you know, communication is everything. And, and Alf was just so, you know, he was like a school teacher talking to a, a child, really. And it was, uh, if you're not if you're not Heathrow there tomorrow, you'll just take... I'll never forget the words. If you're not Heathrow tomorrow, you'll just take the consequences. And, and I can remember uh, coming off the phone to him. I can remember walking back down to Christine Matthews' office um, uh, in the Chelsea office itself. It, it was pretty, uh, I mean, it, it, it was like look, walking through death row, really. Uh, and it didn't really hit me until I got to her and she said, what, what did he say? I, I said, uh, he hasn't really told me anything. He just said, I've got to take the consequences. And, and Christine being her, she said, well, you are a silly boy, you should go. I said, look, Christine, you don't understand. Mm. You know, nobody understands. You get an injury like this, you just you just don't go and play for anybody with a bad injury. And I need the rest. And I did need the rest. I'd had a long, hard season. And uh, I was thinking of uh, trying to rest it and, and thinking about the following season. And... The England under-23s at that time was the farthest thing. If it had been a full international, I just wouldn't have been out of play. So, yeah. you, you know, I, you know, it, it was just the way he treated me. He treated me like I was a kid. And, um, you know, there he was a few, just three months earlier, saying there's no, no limit to what he can achieve. And if you looked at any other country in the world, it, it would have been like, if I'm 18, 19, it would have been like... Holland, you know, kicking Cruyff out, for f banning him for three years, or in Argentina as a kid, uh, Messi or Maradona, you say you're banned for three years. Colin Todd was that probably our best young defender, the replacement of Bobby Moore at that time. It, it was, a, you know, the perfect replacement. And, and there he is banning our best young defender as yeah. well. So... And then they wondered why we didn't qualify for the World Cup for the next 10 years or 12 years. And it was, that's where it all began. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying it was us too, but you do not ban your, your best young players. I mean, I mean, look at what's happened since in the World Cup. We're, we're crying out for young players to come through and break through and, and, cut, and you encourage these young players to come through. You don't treat them like they're, you know... Uh, 
juvenile delinquents yeah. or they're doing something really wrong. I did absolutely nothing wrong. And and uh, looking back just four or five years ago, and I'm thinking how the game has changed. You've got Rio Ferdinand failing a drugs test and or not, not taking his drug test, and he gets nine months. And yeah. I thought... Christ, what's going on here? You know, it, only because it was Ferguson who, who you know, behind it all. Mm. Um, and I thought, you know, it, it was just at Ramsey, I think because he won the World Cup, he kind of put himself up on a pedestal to, 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 to actually do what anything he wanted to do, and it was wrong. There should have been, I should have been brought in front of a, a, a committee of some sort and ask questions of why I didn't want to go on this tour, which yeah. was, which was a friendly tour. It wasn't even a, you know, a, like they do today, a, a World Cup under twenty one World Cup. It was just a friendly uh, under twenty three tour, and you know, my ankle just wouldn't have took it. We're just interrupting you a little bit here. Uh, Gary Tibble says, great to hear Alan Hudson. He also said Alan should have played more for England. I think everybody agrees with that. And Mossy says, hi, yeah, hi guys. Um, great listening to Alan Hudson as always. Now, Bobby Moore, let's talk briefly about Bobby. Um, my my opinion is with with great captains, it, they they almost win your things rather than 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 the managers because they're the ones on the pitch. And the the way I looked at nineteen sixty six. Had Bobby Moore not applied for England, we, we probably wouldn't have won it. We, we did have, yes, some world-class players. And then when Alf's time is is running out, I think the ideal, looking back, and it's great to have a crystal ball, but I think having Bobby Moore managing the England team and have, or having some input in the England team would have been instrumental to the development of the younger, more maverick players that the establishment overlooked for a generation almost no i couldn't agree more i, I think um as young players you know young players look up to yeah. uh people like bobby it, it was a uh, bobby but but bobby was more than just a great player you know the likes of bobby charlton you know you you can't say the same thing of course bobby was a different character at all but, but bobby more was like more like a franz beckenbauer in germany you know the way he, he, you know, he handled himself. Um, he took over the team there. Uh, Johan Cruyff in, you know, taking over the Dutch team. I'm not saying Bobby Moore would have been a great England manager, but, you know, make, you know, put him some kind of position and, and bring... I think he would have been a great England manager if, you know, with someone like Don Howe as a coach under him. Yeah. Bobby wouldn't... Bobby knew the best players in the country and Don would have, you know, straightened them out, you know, uh, you know, I'm not a lover of coaches, but Don is the only one I can actually say I've ever played under that, um, that did anything, you know, worthwhile in training. Uh, but he never told you what to do. He just organised your defence. And uh, I, 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 yes, I agree. I mean, and nobody's ever mentioned that Bobby Moore, I mean, the way Bobby was treated by the FA was shabby anyway. Uh, it was terrible, and uh, and I think the same goes for West Ham. The way they treated him uh, was awful. To let him to let him leave and go to Fulham like he did uh, after giving such service to them. I mean, they got to three finals in three. He he he. he I think he probably the only man who got to three finals in three years. Um, 
by winning the, the the FA Cup with West Ham, and they won the Cup Winners' Cup the year after with West Ham at Wembley, and then the following year I think they won the World Cup. Yep. So he's gone up them steps three times in three years, and that now you can't get no greater experience than that, and 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 doing it for West Ham as well. He's and West Ham treated him as if he was just another player at the end of the day. And then you got the likes of Trevor Brookin, who, t- who gets a job with the FA. Yeah. Now that doesn't, to me, that doesn't add up. But as a person as well, what was Bobby like? Because you know he, he, he took you guys under the wings, and, and not only you know on the training field, but but down to the pubs, and and Bobby was part of the scene, wasn't he? You know, he well, was... you know, to, for, if you if you. If you can imagine knowing Bobby and he's won the World Cup, he's done everything in the game there is to be done. Yeah. Um, he's revered by everyone. And if he walked in the pub and you're in the pub, he, you know, he he was just another one of the lads. He was, but he was always immaculate. He was always immaculately dressed. Uh, and he was always one of the lads. He was never, never put himself above anybody. He was modest as anything, and and he, he was always there for advice for for anyone. And 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 for me, he was terrific, uh, right to the end. You know, even before he died, when I, the last time I see him was at a Phil Collins concert, and me and Phil had a drink together. And... couldn't take his eyes off him it was like he was talking he was talking to some you know some kind of god uh but he was just the most wonderful wonderful man you know uh you know my man was waddington but he was a manager uh but he was the most wonderful man as a as a footballer that i ever met you were having the time of your life at stoke you were in the two pfa team of the year in 70 Four, 75, 75, 76 season and it was in the 1975 season in the March that you had the call in uh, from Don and and that was largely due to the press and due to Tony Waddington saying that Alan Hudson will play for a world 11 before he plays for England the way he's going well he did that um, I was in a couple of squads before that West Germany game in which he could have picked me yeah. and um um, one was I remember one was Yugoslavs. I didn't even get on the bench, and uh, I knew he wasn't going to pick me. And then all of a sudden, I thought to myself, "Hang on, we got Germany coming up in a few weeks' time. That could be the game he's going to pick me because he thinks I'm not going to be able to uh, cope with it." You know, and uh, me and Baldy spoke about this, and. Uh, he caught me in Baldy out once or twice when we weren't we wouldn't play bingo and carpet bowls on one one particular day, 
and we've been out along the uh, the street having a few drinks and we weren't allowed to drink and uh, he warned us about it and uh, that was a, that was the game before the Germans and he, he made Alan Ball captain for the Germany game and he picked me and um, me and Bally looked at each other and we smiled as much as to say this is our bit, you know, our chance. And I mean, Alan Ball already won the World Cup as a kid, you know, so he had much more experience than Don Revy about how to win, you know, international matches. And uh, it was just, it was just great. And, and that photo of me and Bally coming off the field was yeah. just about painted the picture, didn't it? Really, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was great. It, but. Yeah, the, the the reason I did get picked in the end was was because of Tony banging the drum for me. I played a game at Tottenham. Uh, Stoke beat them 2-0. I scored. I played outstanding that game. And um, it was the first time Stoke had won there in 100 years. And I'll, I'll never forget... Uh, all the you know the the Fleet Street gang were outside and Tony was talking to them and then I see that quote on the Monday uh, saying that you know that I'd played the you know how well have I actually got to play to get in the England team I, you know I, I will play for the World Eleven before you know he was having he was having a knock it Don uh, in the, in the nicest possible way because he wasn't the kind of man to point the finger at anyone but he was just me just stating a fact what what the hell did i have to do to get a game you know because white art lane was your favorite ground wasn't it your dad used to take you there to watch uh, the, t- the great tottenham team and also used to take you to arsenal to watch the wonderful george easton as well well my, my chelsea's pools will hate me for saying this but <laughs> white art lane was my favorite ground uh Outside of the Victoria grounds, when I played there for the, for that period of time, but White Hart Lane uh, would always be outstanding. Yeah, my dad would take me there, me and my brother, because um, that was when they had the, the first the double, first ever double winning team. Uh, they had they had the best football team. Uh, we all have Jimmy Greaves. Uh, John White played inside right. He always took me to see great inside forwards. Mm. Uh, the great Dave Mackay, I mean, Blanche Flower. It was a, that was a one, and and it was always packed out. And my dad would finish work. Uh, I mean, he, he worked for himself anyway. He was just a window cleaner, and he, he got off work this day, and he said, come on, we'll go to Tottenham. And then whenever yeah. Arsenal were home on a Wednesday night, he would take us over to see George Eastham. And, uh, and that was a story that, I mean, that really was an incredible story because... Uh, you know, he didn't really used to say George Easton the best player I've ever seen, but he used to say, "Watch this fella play," you know. And lo and behold, uh, there was George. I was standing next to George when he scored the winner against me in the final, in the '72 League Cup final with Stoke, which I got on my wall. I'm standing next to him as he's scoring it, and uh, and strangely enough, Tony see enough, I think, of me. To think that I would be the one to replace him, and it was it was. I remember my first game for Liverpool against Liverpool and, and pulling uh, George's shirt on, and knew I had to do something to because he was such a hero in Stoke, uh, and I, I, you know, I couldn't rubbish his shirt kind of thing, and luckily enough, it all worked out. 
Because one of your other heroes, uh, the great Johnny Haynes, in 1950, Johnny would have been the first teenager to represent England at the World Cups. But in that squad of 22, England only took 17, and, and Johnny was one of those that was left. And to listen to the rest of this podcast, head on over to www.patreon.com forward slash SRB Media. Thank you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.